welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we help you to be able to find those connections with your own daughter, but also bring guests to help you raise amazing daughters yourselves. I am always so excited to be able to be able to not only learn myself as a father of two, but also to bring you guests that are going to be able to open your eyes and open some of the thing, open your thoughts to different ways in which you can relate to your daughters, but also engage with your daughters. And today we're doing just that. Deborah Ann Davis is a award-winning author, a parenting skills coach, a mother, and a former high school educator of 20 years. And she has a new book out that relates exactly to the experience that I know that I'm going through and some of you may be going through, but it's called How to Keep Your Daughter from Slamming the Door. And I can tell you, as a father of two daughters, there have definitely been times where I've heard that door slam. So it is definitely something I'm excited to be able to talk to Deborah about today. So Deborah, thanks so much for being here today. Oh, I'm really glad to be here. Yes. So for me, first and foremost, what I want to do is get a little bit of context for the book. So talk to me about the inception. I know you're a parenting skills coach and you've got, you're a mother and you've got the experience of being an educator, but what was it about all of these things that made you who you are that made you decide that you wanted to write this book that would allow, I'm going to say moms first, because I know that it was originally written for, for moms and daughters, because that relationship could sometimes be contentious. But that being said, why was it important for you to talk about that relationship? And then we'll go a little bit deeper from there. Well, my household growing up was all girls and my dad. And I have a daughter. So that just seemed like a natural direction to go in. But the reality is most of the skills and strategies that are in the book are designed for anybody in a relationship. I mean, I could easily change the title to be how to better relate to your significant other because it's really all about communicating. But so many times moms are banging heads with their daughters more than daughters bang their heads with their fathers. I'm not saying that doesn't happen, but it is more common with moms because they are both trying to be the female of the house. So that's where it came from. But I originally was doing all this stuff when I was a teacher because I would see parents when they would come into my classroom because something was wrong. If it was a behavioral thing or it was an academic thing, but they would be upset and the kids would be defensive and sullen and they weren't talking to each other. So before we could come up with some kind of a plan, I had to be able to get them to talk. So over the years, I tried this and I tried that. And sometimes this worked with this type of kid. And sometimes that worked with this type of child. And it just was a um, crapshoot in the beginning until I started to realize this would give me more results and that would give me more results. So I learned very quickly. But when I was about 10 years into it, that's when my daughter came along and I was freaking out because I was thinking, well, I know what to do with middle school and high school people, but I don't know what to do with somebody that's this big. So I went through all the insecurities that all moms go through and I ended up trying to bolster the moms and the fathers within the relationship. And back then it didn't have a name, but now they call it parent coaching. You know, you sit there and you say, this is what the problem is. This is what you would like it to be like. 
And then you set goals and strategies so that you can reach it. That's the coaching side of it. Yeah, no, I, and I think that makes a lot of sense. Now, I guess when you talk about the butting heads of a mother mm-hmm. and a daughter of both wanting to be the female of the household, talk to me about in your experience, in your research that you've had to be able to write this book. What's the crux of that? Because as a, as a man, as a father, you know, we, we look at it from the outside. And it doesn't always connect. What's going on yeah, over we there? Don't, it, it doesn't always connect. Is there something, I mean, that is really just that goes back generations or, you know, eons that really comes into this, that really makes this happen on a regular basis? I imagine that it does go because we go back because we learn from our parents who learn from their parents who learn from their parents and everybody modifies things according to your environment at the time. But the thing is that our job as parents is to raise people who are going to be independent, productive, and functioning in society. And it's a clear cut thing when they're little, because, you know, I got to get them to learn to read. I got to get them to learn to play nice in the sandbox. And so you know what it is that you're doing. But as they get older, those lines get a little fuzzy as they start taking the reins into their own hands. So We want that, but we also need to acknowledge the fact that their brain isn't formed yet. You know, the brain forms from the back to the front, and the front part is where your logic and reasoning section is, which personally to me is like the cosmic joke. But that's not actually done till you're about 26 to 32. So post-college, young adult, they're still developing their logic and reasoning centers. Well, when you combine the fact that we want them to take the reins with the fact that they're not ready to take the reins, it's a fine line for us to be walking with them as we do parenting. And we don't always see when we've crossed the line and injured their concept of self, which is where a lot of people bang heads. But I would say this, most of the head banging that I have seen has been when one parent has a different personality type than the child. So if you've got a household where the child gets along with one parent and not the other, that could be one of the reasons. So the easiest thing to do would be to analyze it. I'm a, I'm a science geek, so <laughs> I'm all into figuring out the data and analyzing it. So my recommendation is that you can go online and find a free personality quiz. There's tons of them out there, but I have one on my website, DebraAnnDavis.com that has the learning styles inventory from the Georgia Board of Education. And they have, there's a lot, you can find free learning style inventories all over the place. The, this one has three learning styles, which I like. I mean, you can find ones that have 18 different kinds, but I mean, you want to be simplistic and get down there and find out what's going on there. That's what I would recommend. And I'd especially recommend doing a learning styles inventory as opposed to a personality quiz right now, because parents are more involved in their kids' educations. So this is the way it works. I have a particular learning style. And as a teacher, I teach in a way that makes sense to me based on my learning style. But it's not just about school because your learning style is the way you take in information and it's the way you process information and it's the way you do relationships. So for example, I'll take this back to the classroom because it's more clear cut. If you've got a teacher who is an auditory learner, then they're an auditory teacher. 
they will do like lectures. But if you have a student who's a visual learner who needs to see things written down so they can take notes or whatever, they will struggle in a class like that. And most kids, when they have difficulty in a class, will take it back and say, I'm not smart. Or if they're little, they'll say, my teacher doesn't love me. And really what it is, is just a clash in styles. So you'll also find on the website ways to bridge the gaps, things to help an auditory learner in a kinesthetic environment or a visual learner in a auditory environment. And these are things that you can share with their teachers too, because you could say, you know, my kid is 100% in this direction and it would be helpful if they could do their reports like this. And that way they can show you what their information is. Now you take that out of the school setting. I just threw that in there because so many people are struggling with school right now. And you put it into your household. So you've got an auditory mom and a visual child. So the visual child is watching TV and the auditory mom comes in and says, when you're done with that show, would you take out the garbage? And the child says, sure. Right. So show's over, kid leaves, the garbage doesn't get taken out. And the mom gets upset because she's like, they're ignoring me, blah, 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 blah. If the mother is an auditory person, it makes sense to her to say, just do this. But if you've got a visual person, write it on a sticky note, stick it on the table right in front of them. And when they're done with their show, they'll see the note and they'll go dump the garbage. So you can decrease the amount of conflicts that you have by recognizing who your child is. And this doesn't matter if you're a mom or a dad or spouses. If you understand the other person's style, you can cater to it. You can work around it. You can bridge the gap between it. And if you are transparent with your older kids and say, you know what? I just found out that you have a different learning style than I do. And I think a lot of the clashes that we've had are due to me not realizing that. So this is my learning style, just so you know who I am. And this is what I understand your learning style to be. What do you think about the way I'm describing you? And then listen, let them tell you who they are and how they handle things. And then say, you know what? Things are going to get better because I understand things differently now and I'm going to make an effort to make changes. So if I'm doing better, I'd really like it if you would tell me if things are easier for you. And then I will tell you too. So that's the way you start the conversation. Now, if you've got a kid that you can't have the conversation with, don't talk about them. Say, I just learned about learning styles. And I think that my learning style is totally different than your best friend, whoever that is. Talk about their best friend and say, how do you think me and that person would be getting along in this situation? I think it's because I look at it this way and they would look at it that way. What do you, my child, what do you think I should do in that kind of situation to kind of bridge that gap? So that invites them into the conversation without them being the center of focus. I love these practical tips because I, and I know that your book is full of exercises and practical tips and, and things to be able to help people to, to see this relationship in a different way. From a father's standpoint, if there is that tension that is happening between a mother and a daughter, let's say there's the door slamming or there's yelling or there's crying or there's other things that are happening. The and the father may not be a may not be the one that is having those specific things. Some maybe they are, but maybe they're not. And if they're not, 
but there is a tension between the mother and the daughter. Are there things that men can do to be able to help with that, to be able to listen, to be able to be a part of that, to be able to help in some way? You know, men tend to be fixers. They try their best to be able to be fixers. I know not all men should be fixers all the time. But that being said, with this type of relationship and knowing that this relationship can sometimes be fraught with issues and challenges, what are some things that fathers can do to be able to ease this? I'm so glad you asked that because it's so important. The relationship between the father and the mother and the, the child, daughter or son, is like a tripod. And that doesn't work unless all the legs are equally balanced, right? And if you're going to have a balanced tripod. So the first thing I would do is look at yourself because I'm sure some of the stuff that's going on in the house is distressing and you don't want to come from a reactionary place. You want to have a planned response. And honestly, I would take the learning styles inventory and see where you are. Then take it again, pretending to be your spouse and then take it a third time, pretending to be your child and then go to them one at a time and say, I just learned about this concept and I tried it and I'd like you to take this learning inventory thing, do it once for you and then do it again, pretending you're me. Then go sit down in front of the fireplace or with a cup of hot chocolate because it's snowing here. So I'm saying hot chocolate, but um, go sit down and share it and, and find out what you know and don't know about each other. It's kind of a mature, happy newlywed game you can play. and then you can have the discussion open and the the topic broached about different styles. And then you can say, do the thing pretending to be our daughter. And you can compare what your two pretend things are. So you can see how you look at it differently. And then go online and say, how do I close the gap between these two things and discuss stuff. Then I would go and talk to the daughter, just you, the dad, and have the exact same conversation about the mother. And then one day over dinner or something, do the same thing as a family. Say, why don't you guys do the personality thing um, with me? Pretend to be me. Let's see how well you know me. And then when they get their results, change the um, figure out how to cross that bridge and ch- close that gap. So that would be the easiest way, I think, to broach it. I would not broach it with both of them at the same time because everybody wants to protect themselves and their identity and their self-concept. And so you can't help but think that you're being judged by the other person. The daughter wants to look grown and capable and the mother, well, she wants to look grown and capable. (laughs) And the father? He wants to look grown and capable. So it's much easier to have those conversations one-on-one and then bring it all together. It's okay to say, I'm going to go have the conversation with her. And so be on the lookout to see if things are different. Yeah. I mean, I think that every parent sometimes goes through the struggle of trying to figure out from themselves whether or not being vulnerable enough to say, I don't know, especially when your children are young and as they're as you're going through those initial phases of trying to figure out what what the heck it means to be a parent. But also as your child gets older and goes through the different phases and they change and and you are trying to figure out, okay, what 
am I supposed to do to parent differently, especially as you get into the teenage years? Well, here's the thing. Being transparent is it's like a superpower. All you have to do is say, I don't know. I'm either going to find out or I'm going to find somebody who does know. And I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but the reason why I wanted to jump in here is because if you are banging heads with your kids about things like curfew or going, you know, bedtime or whether you should be wearing your mask around public, you know, any of those things, driving issues, anything. This is a great tool. You just turn around and you say, look, you go to the internet and you go find evidence that supports your side and I'll go to the internet and I'll find evidence that supports my side and we'll meet tomorrow, not today because today's emotional. We'll meet tomorrow and share what we found and we'll have a discussion about it. But remember, I'm the reigning parent. So what I say goes, you're just invited to give me information. So that's a way to handle those conflicts that people are having. Now, I love this. Now, I know that in your book, you also talk about some myths and that are geared toward moms. But, but talk to me about some of these myths that you talk about that a lot of moms are dealing with you know, women in our lives are dealing with um, and that you try to dispel? Well, actually, I could easily say they are for everybody, like the guilt myth and the plenty of time myth, you know, and the the super mom or super dad myth. Those are not real things, you know, for anybody. But the guilt one is probably the biggest one. If you are feeling uncomfortable with how you've been conducting the relationship so far, or some error that you have made and, and you're feeling guilty about it, get rid of the guilt. And I know that's flippant sounding, but I have a strategy. Um, But the thing is, guilt has one purpose and one purpose only, and that is to make you aware that something's not right. Once you are aware that something's not right, you don't need the guilt. So any kind of guilt you're hanging on from yesterday or, heaven forbid, from when you were a kid, get rid of it. It is not doing you any good. And subtly, it is teaching your children that they need to hold on to their guilt. And we don't want that for them. We want them to be healthy. We want them to deal with situations in a forthright manner. And we want them to conquer those situations. So this is the four steps that you need to do in order to get rid of guilt. And two of them are easy. And two of them are very difficult. But the good thing is there's only four. (laughs) Okay, so as I'm saying this, Picture an incident that you're feeling guilty about so you can actually work through something while we're talking about it. If it's something that you have really done something badly to somebody else, probably through a mistake that you regret, okay? The first thing you need to do is look at that situation and do whatever it is you need to do to make sure it can't get any worse. So stop it. Any kind of downward spiral, stop that. The second thing that you need to do is you need to see if there's anything that you can do in order to make the situation better. If you can improve it from where it is right now, what can you fix? There you go, dads. What can you fix? The third step, I mean, these are time intensive steps. You have to do those things, okay? The third one is probably more difficult because the third one requires that you go to the injured parties. And you say, I'm sorry, you apologize. But you remind them that everybody does the best they can with what they got at the time. And if you could have done it better at that moment with whatever was going on and whatever emotions were going on and whatever was influencing your life, 
if you could have done it better at that moment, you would have. And right now, you want to be forgiven for the mistake that you made. The last step is the hardest step. Oh, wait, before I go there, one of two things can happen when you ask their forgiveness. Either they will forgive you or they won't. If they forgive you, great, go on to step number four. If they don't forgive you, you have to let it go. That is their journey. You've done everything you can now to fix the situation. You made sure it couldn't get worse. You have made sure there were any repairs that could have been done, you've done. And you have gone to them and you've been open and you said, I was wrong and I wa- I'm asking to be forgiven. I would like your forgiveness. So you've done everything you can in that arena. But after that, that's their journey and you have to let it go. So if they cannot let it go, you have to wait for them to come around. So if they don't forgive you, go on to step number four. And step number four, to me, is the hardest part. That is where you have to forgive yourself. And people have a difficult time letting go of things they did wrong. But I would say, if you could look at it objectively, if this was your best friend and they had done a mistake with their child, would you be suggesting to them that they should be tormenting themselves over the next five to 10 years over it? No, you would not be saying that to them. You would be saying to them, you need to be looking at this in the most healthy way possible. You need to make sure it doesn't spiral out of control, that you stop that downward motion. You need to fix any part of this that you can fix. And then you need to go and be transparent with them and say, I was wrong. I, I would hope you forgive me. If I could have done it better, I would have. And I will try to be doing it better in the future. And then you would tell your best friend, you have to forgive yourself. So if you're going to do that for your best friend, you sure sure should be able to be doing that for yourself. It's harder to do it for yourself. But intellectually, you should be able to say to yourself, this is appropriate for me to be forgiving myself. And it is a wonderful process to model for your kids. Well, these are great tips, and I really appreciate you sharing that. The I think that all of those are things that all of us need to do, I mean, in all aspects of our life. So I appreciate you sharing that and, and being able to offer us some, some ways to be able to kind of move forward in, in, a, in a positive way um, with our not only our relationships with our, our daughters, but also relationships with our partners in life um, to be able to help us in many ways. Now, for people that have not picked up a copy of this book yet, where's the best place? What's the best place that they can go to be able to get information on this? And you also talked about the personality test. And why don't you say again, where should they go to be able to do that? You can go to my website, Deborah Ann Davis. That's Deborah with an H, Davis.com. And basically everything's over there. You can um, sign up for my newsletter. It's monthly. It's called Mary Meddling because obviously that's what I do. And that will give you any updates about what's going on. How to Keep Your Daughter from Slamming the Door is available in um, ebooks, anywhere you get ebooks. And the print book is launching in November. So if you subscribe to the newsletter, you can attend the launch and get all the little freebies and prizes that will be on there. And uh, the other thing, I I just want to just throw one more thing out here, just a little piece of dad advice. If you have a daughter who looks like you, 
then you have to spend a lot of energy making sure that she understands that she's a beautiful female because our daughters want to look like their beautiful moms. And that mom who's been holding them and looking into their face all these during those infant years is their vision of beauty. I don't care what the mom looks like. That's what looks beautiful to that child. And if she looks like you, it will make her feel insecure about her looks going forward. So, and I got this from a plastic surgeon who does informal survey of his beautiful patients who are there to get things altered. And he's the one who discovered that they were, they resembled their fathers. That's really interesting. I, I, I wouldn't have ever even thought about it that way, but that's, that is a really, really insightful thing to be able to, to hear uh, from you, but also from that, from that surgeon. Now, um, one last thing, just to make sure that people know, you talked about the book, but what about that personality test? Where should they go to get, to get that? It's also on my website in the freebie section, but you can send me an email. I'll just send you the link to it, info at deborahanddavis.com. You can find them. You can find them online. You don't have to go to my website, although I would love for you to come to my website. You can find them online. Just look up personality tests. Just find a free one. And if you're going to have your kids do it, check the vocabulary in it because some of them use really big words and you want them to be able to do it privately without having to ask you, what does this word mean? Well, we'll put a link in our notes today to get people over to your website and tell people about the book and get them signed up for some merry meddling of themselves. But Deborah Ann, I really appreciate you being here today. I really appreciate you sharing all of the great advice and, and I wish you the best on your launch as well as everything in the future. Thank you very much. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat. And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen, carpenters and muscle men, get out and be the world to them. Be the best dad you can be. Be the best dad you can be.